Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. As the 2016 season is over and we're starting to see what players have their contracts picked up or their options picked up and who's going to be a free agent, who's not going to be a free agent. First of all, I hope we can, we have got to a point and we are at a, a maturity level as our level of fandom to understand that it has nothing to do with team loyalty. It has nothing to do with, oh, he should he owes us, he should be here longer, or any crap like that. Free agency is part of the game. It has been, as long as I can remember, according to the Rule of Seven, basically since the end of the 1976 season, free agency is part of the landscape of the game. And it makes sense that we have free agency. It makes sense that a player should have the choice of where they'd want to go. If you want to leave your employer, you have the right to do that. No one's going to keep you locked in. And we also see real loyalty. We've seen players stay with a team. Players, if you stay with your team now, you're showing loyalty. That's a loyalty to your team to a degree. Now, the loyalty could be rewarded with money and everything, but that's, I've given a choice. I'm going to stay with the team. That's actual loyalty as opposed to what happened before the advent of free agency where you had no choice in the matter. You're either on that team or they can trade you or they can end your contract. Mickey Mantle wasn't loyal to the Yankees. Sandy Koufax wasn't loyal to the Dodgers. Roberto Clemente wasn't loyal to the Pirates. They were all in contracts where they could not negotiate with other teams. Players who stay with their teams now, you know, you could make the argument of players like Ripken and Kirby Puckett and Tony Gwynn all showed loyalty to their teams because they elected to resign without even going to free agency. Do you know who's loyal to his team? You can make the argument of loyal to his team. Not freaking Ted Williams. Not Joe DiMaggio. Steven Strasburg shows loyalty because he signed a long-term deal with the Nationals before he went, before he even filed for phrases. He's like, no, I'm going to stay here. So if you're any old-timer talking about how players aren't loyal anymore, say that's, that's, that's irrelevant to the issue. We had no way to gauge loyalty. How, do you, how, can you, how can you gauge loyalty unless you have a chance to test it? You know, the, I, I'm not going to get into my own, go deep into my own religious and spiritual beliefs because I try to keep that out of this. But I, every once in a while, I find ways to equate it to baseball. So it's my podcast. It's the off season. And I'm going to have to fill these days between November, December, January, February, and March. So once in a while, God's going to show up. Now, I've said before, I am an atheist. I'm not a believer. And one common 
retort that I get from people, not that I'm, I'm not an aggressive atheist, maybe at one point in my life, was I'm now kind of like, hey, be a good person and believe what you want to believe. Don't tell me what I need to believe and we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll get along. And one sort of response that I get is, you know, the odds of the universe forming this way are, are remote. I said, I agree, but it did. And so isn't it more likely that a God created it than, a, than it happening through chance? I said, well, how can you judge that? How can you say it's more likely? How can you measure that? You first have to establish instances where a supernatural being does something before you can even say, well, that's more likely. Based on what? Well, wh where's your data? You know, believe what you want to believe, but when you start talking about likelihood and reality, you got to bring data to the table, which brings us to the loyalty. You had no way to gauge if, to take someone who had spent their entire career with one team, um, but pre-free agency. As I brought up DiMaggio, Bobby Doer. There's no way to gauge whether or not players are loyal to their teams if they had no choice but to only negotiate with their team. We know Babe Ruth got mad at the Yankees and would have left them at a heartbeat. We know that Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale wanted to walk. We know that Joe DiMaggio wanted to, you know, a higher contract. As he sat out. You know, I mean, it was clear. I mean, if Joe DiMaggio was a free agent, he would have gone to the highest bidder. And if it was the Red Sox, it was the Giants or the, the Brooklyn Dodgers or the St. Louis Browns, he would have signed with them. We know that because he sat out for more money. There's no way to gauge loyalty unless you are tested. You know, it's kind of like someone say, oh, I would totally do this, I would totally do that. Well, you, you can say that from afar, but unless you are confronted with a situation, how do you really know? Now, I'm bringing this up because I want to celebrate a player who has been maligned recently. And I do believe history will not be kind on this player. And I do believe that we are already seeing as we develop our brains and as we develop our understanding of baseball that a player whose option has been declined and chances are his career is over. Very, it, the chances are very high this man's career is over. That I want to celebrate it before he fades into being an example of how we used to think differently. What the hell are you talking about, Sully? I'm talking about Ryan Howard. Yep, a discussion of the concept of loyalty and the probability of God has led me to Ryan Howard. Now, I believe Ryan Howard arrived in baseball at a crossroads at a crossroads in terms of the errors of baseball and a crossroads in terms of the thinking and mentality of baseball.
The era of baseball was the mid-2000s, specifically 2005, 2006, and 2007, which I like to refer to as the Mardi Gras era of baseball, the moment of the PED era before testing showed up, and really, I call it Mardi Gras because it's like, okay, one last party before you have to repent. And I'm not saying Ryan Howard did anything, but I'm just saying it was an era of stuff happening and sky-high home run totals. He hit 58 home runs in his second year. There was a period of time where hitting 58 home runs was less likely than being appointed to the Supreme Court. That it puts you in the pantheon of the all-time numbers. I bet you forgot Ryan Howard hit 58 home runs in 2006. I bet that slipped your mind. It slipped mine. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I follow this game kind of closely. But he did. And he won the MVP that year. He won the MVP, and if you looked at the traditional stats that people were looking at at that time, batting average, home runs, RBIs, batted 313, led the league in home runs, led the league in RBIs in 2006, earning him the Most Valuable Player Award over Albert Pujols. Now, and, and he is part of a... Trivia question of people who have won the Rookie of the Year and the MVP in consecutive years. And Dustin Pedroia is one of the other ones who have done that. It could very well be Chris Bryant. So Ryan Howard was an elite player, started getting endorsement deals and everything like that. In 2007, helped lead the Phillies to the NL East title and you know, partly aided by the shocking collapse of the New York Mets down the, street, down the stretch. In 2008, at age 28, he was the MVP runner-up, hitting 40, once again, leading the league in home runs, leading the leagues in runs bad in. Well, his average, well, dropped from 313 to 251. His OPS dropped 150 points as well. But... He hit all the right points, and the story of the Phillies was still big, and he was the MVP runner-up. And the next year was the top three MVP candidate. From how people were judging a player at the time, he was, what I just listened, top three MVP candidate uh, in, you know, top five MVP candidate in his Second full year, third full year, fourth full year, and fifth full year. After winning the rookie year, his first year. That's You're looking at the way we looked at a player. He was putting together a Hall of Fame career. And not only that, but was doing so in Philadelphia. And did so being a big part in the Philadelphia Phillies winning the 2008 World Series title, which doubled the number of championships won by the Phillies. Before 2008, the Phillies had won the pennant in 1915, 1950, 
won the World Series in 1980 and lost in 83 and 2000, uh, 83 and uh, 1993. They had five pennants. They have won seven pennants and two World Series, of which Ryan Howard was a part of two of those seven in their history. And by 2009, he looked like, as I said, a Hall of Famer, was becoming an all-time Philadelphia Philly. He hit three huge home runs in the World Series to help beat the Tampa Bay Rays in 2008, was the National League Championship Series most valuable player, driving in eight runs in five games and posting a 1.457 OPS over Los Angeles as the Phillies won back-to-back pennants for the only time in the history of their franchise. And that was 2009. And the Phillies were putting together a super team acquiring Roy Halladay, and creating a dynasty. And with that, at age 29, Ryan Howard showed loyalty to the Phillies, and the Phillies showed loyalty to him, and before hitting free agency, signed a long-term contract extension to stay with the Phillies. They paid him a crap load of money, but he could have, at that point, by the way people were using the metrics that people were using. Ryan Howard was, in people's eyes, or in, in, you know, except for the, the fringe in the, the sabermetrics community, looked at Ryan Howard as an elite player. And then came the 2010s. Testing began. I'm not saying Ryan Howard did anything. I'm saying that the era of the big mashers began to come down. The type of player that Ryan Howard was was someone who started to regress. And in fact, in this is how much I'm saying I'm not accusing Ryan Howard of doing anything. He started to come down and break down the way a body normally would before the era of PEDs. He signed the long-term deal in his late 20s because people were still used to the idea that you can be an elite slugger deep into your 30s. Now we know a little better. Now we know that, whoa, don't sign someone expecting his 30s to be as great as your 20s. We still had the mindset of the previous era, one that he arrived at the tail end of. And with that came the long-term contract of which he really, man, I mean, his OPS started falling like a rock. By 2014, his OPS was under seven. Even though he still hit 23 home runs and drove in 95 metrics that in the past were like, man, that's still an elite player. But now you look at, no, he's not getting on base. He's not getting hits. He's striking out nearly 200 times a year. And the lasting images of him in the final two seasons of the Phillies, great Phillies run were striking out looking to end the NLCS in 2010 and in a fit of unbelievable symbolism, 
collapsing at the plate as the Phillies finished their collapse in 20, for the 2011 season when they lost to the Cardinals, a year where they should have stampeded to the World Series. He was never the same player after that. Hell, you could make the case that he wasn't really the same player after signing the giant contract. Yeah, he still hit the home runs and drove in 100-some-odd, but his stats were starting to fade. And with that came a retroactive, well, lashing at him. His MVP season, where he hit the 58 home runs, drove in the 149, had led the league with 383 total bases. But any examination of his stats would show that it should have been Pujols. Pujols actually had the superior year, not in terms of home runs and RBIs, but in everything else. I don't quite understand how war is calculated, so I don't always run to there. But I'll just say that you look at war. Ryan Howard was 10th. I don't know if I'd necessarily put him down that far, but you look at some of the people who would be ahead of him. Beltran's all-around season. Utley's all-around season. Miguel Cabrera's all-around season in Florida. I mean, you could easily make the case that he may not have been able to be in the top four or five. If the voting was done now, Ryan Howard would never be a top five MVP candidate in those years. Not saying that he was a bad player in those years, but I think we have a better understanding of not just staring at home runs, RBIs, and batting average, and, and, and also the narrative. I go, well, he was on the first place team and had the most home runs and RBIs. I'm going to give it to him. We understand a little bit better of the metrics and how to judge a player. And because of that, I think history is going to be incredibly unkind to Ryan Howard. They're going to look at him as a lumbering slugger who had a huge contract that ate up the Phillies' payroll and was an albatross. And yeah, he won an MVP, but yeah, there was, they were looking at him. He, he was from the wrong era. He should have been playing in the 90s. And he was the last, one of the last, he and Jimmy Rollins were probably the last holdouts of people using the narrative and not using advanced statistics to judge who the most valuable player is, as opposed to figuring out the true value of someone, instead being fascinated by just a couple of the old school slash lines. And so, I guess what I want to do is I want to pay tribute to a guy who did what people thought at the time was what they were looking for from an elite player. Tastes change, styles change, and what we want from our players change over the years. But he delivered at the time. And at the time, he was a huge part in adding a second championship to the Philadelphia Phillies lexicon. Think about that, Philly fans. You'd be stuck on 1980. Imagine anyone, you, you rule of seven, anyone in their, their you know, 40 and younger saying, I'm tired of hearing about Schmidt and, and, and Steve 
Carlton and Luzinski. I'm tired of that. Why can't we have our, our own title? And you're not getting one anytime soon for the Flyers, 76ers, or Eagles. So now you're not stuck on, you know, you're not stuck on the 1983 76ers anymore. You have a championship, and the Phillies have a championship. And a player from that championship was a Philly as recently as a few weeks ago. As Ryan Howard played his final games as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. And if you're really, if you're a big-time Philly fan, I guess you should also be a, a big-time Dodger fan these days because it seems like three-quarters of the 2008 Phillies are currently playing for the Dodgers, but I regress. Yeah, there's a weird sound going on in the background. What am I going to do? I can't, I can't control all the elements. I'm not God. But what I'm saying is, is that if Howard's legacy is going to regress over the years. If Howard's legacy is going to be someone who was, well, you know, back then he was the MVP, but he should never have gotten it. And you hear that when, you, when there are people who have won the MVP, whether it's Mo Vaughn or, or Zolio Versailles or whoever it is who won it, they go like, how the hell did they win the MVP? And you look, well, there was this, that, the other thing, and, and it's so clear someone else should have won it. Ryan Howard's going to be thrown onto that pile over the years. Ryan Howard is going to be one of those players that people look at and say, oh man, they, back then they, would have, they awarded him the MVP and there's no way they should have done that. Well, that's the way they did it. And if you don't like it, that's just the way history unfolded. He delivered a title and... By whatever metrics you want to gauge loyalty, was loyal to the Philadelphia Phillies. He played not count. He played twelve full seasons in the major leagues. I'm not counting his cup of coffee he had in uh, 2004. Starting at age 25 through age 30, how old, how old is he now? He is 36 years old. Ryan Howard played. For one team, the Philadelphia Phillies, he mashed 382 home runs, was the league championship series MVP, and helped the Phillies win a title, and did what people thought you were supposed to do in terms of being a quality player and in terms of being the great player the great masher, the great home run hitter. Is he one of the great Phillies of all time? Well, probably not statistically. Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley in the end had the superior career, and you can make the argument Cole Hamels did as well. And, of course, you have the likes of Robin Roberts and Steve Carlton and and Grover Cleveland, Alexander, and Richie Ashburn would probably all be ahead of him in the history of the Phillies, as would be his teammates. But do you know what? I want to salute him. He had a memorable career. He had a career maybe at the wrong time, but it's one worth honoring. And while he probably did not deserve the MVP in 2006, I remember personally thinking I would have given it to Pujols. 
He did have the year that people wanted then. He delivered then, and he stayed loyal to his team because he didn't sign elsewhere. He didn't even go out to look elsewhere. So he's a world champion, a slugger that was looked upon as what was needed at the time, who was loyal to Philadelphia. It didn't end as gloriously as it began, but that doesn't mean it isn't worth a good salute. So Ryan Howard, if this is indeed the end of your career, the folks here at Sully Baseball say, hey, I appreciate it. Absolutely I do. I'm going to be doing a podcast every single day this offseason. And if you want, anytime you need a baseball fix, just go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, Stitcher, all that stuff, Podbean. Subscribe to Sully Baseball. Leave a comment. You can go to sullybaseball.com. You can like me on Facebook. You can like me on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. Um, I have a YouTube channel. I'm going to be adding stuff to the YouTube channel. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. And as always, the music is by Ted Thacker and by Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Honoring Ryan Howard edition of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.